Hi, I'm Wendy, and today I'm talking to Helen Reynolds, who is the co-host of our Gutsy Matters podcast and is also my business partner in Stored Naturally. Helen and her husband, Max, live in the beautiful garden city of Toowoomba in regional Queensland, Australia. Helen is an innovative thinker and a creative cook and a very much an advocate for healthy eating and living a sustainable life. And she also eats a plant-based diet. She's the creator of the Fresh Produce Enhancer, a pure natural hemp pouch for storing your fresh plant-based food without chemicals in the fridge and which is a focused product behind Stored Naturally. So today I am delving a little further into how Helen lives a plant-based healthy lifestyle. So hi, Helen. Hello, Andy. Now, you were brought up in the country on yes. a diet of meat and three veg. Yep. And went to school in Toowoomba. Yes. And you now live in Toowoomba. And Max used to be a meat supplier and is still working in the agricultural industry. Yes. So now you once told me that you swore black and blue that you would never, ever, ever become a <laughs> vegan. So <Yes>. what happened? <laughs> well, we were vegetarian before we were vegan. And that happened because we were getting fat, basically. It's a pretty simple answer. <laughs> I can clearly remember one day um, trying to buy a new pair of jeans and um, I, when I'm healthy, just a normal, not too worried about my body shape, you know, like I'm not a, a big dieter or anything like that. So I'm, a, I'm a generally a size 10 and I can remember this particular day going to buy pants and pulling off the rack size 10s and 12s and because I'd sort of become a normal 10 to 12 and the 12s didn't fit and I had to go back for 14s and um, that was, I was just thought, oh, this is out of control, <laughs> this is not me. And But because I'm um, a pretty slender person, no one was saying to me, oh, Helen, you've got to do something. Everyone, no one said anything. <laughs> so anyway, so that was the trigger um, for us looking into ways to uh, be healthier with the aim of losing weight. And I think probably the next person who really influenced us you know, as we began searching, was Cindy O'Meara from the Sunshine Coast. And so she was advocating at the time, and this is sort of probably 10 years ago now, I can't really remember, but at the time she was advocating, and she still is, but she's kind of developed her message a little further now is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, she was saying no preservatives, no additives, no colours, no flavourings, and so on. So we looked in the cupboard and got quite a shock to be honest we ended up throwing out quite a bit of packaged food or not buying it again one or the other depending on its state and um, away we went and that was the beginning of a clean eating diet and we started getting results and then as time went on and I began researching more into vegetarian lifestyles so finally I fessed up to Max one day and said you know I always wondered what it would be like to be vegetarian, but I've never actually been brave enough to tell anyone. Like I've, I've wondered since I was a little girl. But of course, growing up on a beef property and we had a feedlot for a while, 
I was never, ever going to say anything about being vegetarian. So you don't think it would have gone down so well with your mum and dad? No, but I kind of thought you might ask me this question and I was thinking (laughs) back to the days. I mean, I was only a, a little girl and I can clearly remember dad saying, because he would feed the stock every morning and night, of course, in the feedlot. And um, I can remember him saying when the first truck load of cattle left the feedlot that he said goodbye to them all individually. He'd named them all. He'd gotten to know <laughs> them all. And he was quite teary. And, you know, so dad's obviously got a really big heart and he still does. But, um, yeah, so, no, I wasn't going to say to them, well, how about we stop eating meat and just keep the cows as pets? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it would have been okay. He'd named them all, so probably would have been fine, but you just would be overrun. You probably couldn't have accommodated all the pets. <laughs> no. Bank manager might have had something he to say. He might have too, yeah. <laughs> so, so what was the step that went and you said clean, clean eating. So would you like to describe what clean eating was and then how you got to – then take the next step of going to be vegetarian. So clean eating was taking out anything, any foods that had preservatives, additives, colourings, flavourings. So that took away all the jars of pre-made sauces of dolmio or whatever they were. It also makes your shopping really fast because suddenly there's aisles and aisles of products that you don't buy anymore and so don't even need to look at. Lots of sauces. I discovered all these sauces in my pantry and my fridge of all different flavourings that I was decided not to use again. No more lollies in the car. No more ice creams. That was probably also something making us rather overweight. (laughs) Whenever we drove anywhere, we'd stop and buy an ice cream. So I guess in saying that, I mean, clean eating can be eating some of those things. Like if you made your own, for instance, it's it's the package bought, store bought, full of preservatives that um, makes the clean eating not necessarily mean that you can't have some of those items. I mean, I remember when I was a child of mum making her own ice cream. We never bought ice cream and it was made from the cow that dad had milked you know the milk from the cow and and um yeah and she made her own butter and things like that so it doesn't necessarily mean you have to stop eating them unless you go to the the next step so the next step was then you said okay that's enough of that or because you were eating the ice cream is that why you went to to vegetarian or what made you take the next step I guess in going to vegetarian well all the packaged food went out at the clean eating stage and then I think it was really curiosity. Oh, maybe, maybe now that you ask me, I can remember a time when um, Max said, I'm really tired of meat and steamed vegetables because we were really working at losing weight. And I don't know, probably all coalesced together. And so I asked Max, I said, I've always wanted to be vegetarian. Can we try it for three months? And it was a three-month commitment and I said at the end of the three months, we can each decide what we want to do. Of course, I was terrified of having to make, having, you know, two people in the household eating two different diets. I thought that would be horrible and a whole heap of hard work. But I just, you know, we had to have an open option at the end. Mm. So that, that was the deal. At the end of the three months, we both had so much energy, so much more clarity and so much, um, 
just overall sort of well-being compared to the beginning of the three months that we've never gone back. Excellent. Yeah, well, that's a really good way to do it, I guess, because there's a lot of people who, who I, well, it's just my feeling, I guess, that jump in and say, I want to be a vegetarian and I'm going to be it and that's it. And I guess don't prepare for it and don't have an out. So I guess if people are wanting to try it, a commitment, like a three-month commitment and then with a, an out clause, I guess if it isn't for them, um, is, is a good way to do it. And sometimes you sort of hear of particularly, I guess, um, teenagers that, that it becomes a bit of a fad and whether they really believe in it or, or want to do it and what the reason, I guess the main thing for any diet is the reasoning behind why are you going into that diet in the first place? So, okay, so you went three months and I'm guessing that it was a success. So then from vegetarian though to vegan is an interesting step. So why the change there? Well, I guess going back to to becoming vegetarian, we didn't become vegetarian because we're worried about the animals. Of course, we believe in good animal management and raising them well and, and all of that. But we didn't become vegetarian because we were advocating that, I guess. You know, so it, it, I guess we it was purely a health experiment. And a health choice, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So then for listeners who don't know the difference between vegetarian and veganism, vegetarians just don't eat meat and fish. So uh, we were still eating dairy and eggs, honey. Some vegans do and don't eat honey. And we ate lots of them, (laughs) very merrily. So I'm not a good timekeeper, but we were living that vegetarian lifestyle for probably five to eight years. I'm really not a good timekeeper. And... Then, of course, you, you, you sort of acclimatised to that, I guess, and then we wanted another um, elevation in our health. And we'd begun reading more about eggs in the body and become more, you become more sensitive too to what you eat after you take out all the preservatives and additives and so on and da-da-da. And so we just thought we'd try. Uh the other main trigger, so actually, to be clear, I tried the vegan thing by myself first. And because I make all the food in our house, Max is kind of vegan by default. <laughs> <laughs> is it whether he likes it or not, if he wants to eat, he has to eat what's put in front of him. It's a bit like when you're a child, but uh, yeah. I guess he's probably smart in going, well, I'm going to eat this or otherwise I'm going to have to cook myself. Yes. <laughs> So he's definitely, you know, if we go out and eat, he won't worry if the meal is vegan or not. And most of the time I'm reasonably flex. I'll choose vegan if it's there, but if it's not there, I'll choose vegetarian. Neither of us have gone back to eating meat. I decided to be vegan by myself just to try because I noticed that I was repeatedly saying, I will never be vegan, I will never be vegan, I will never be vegan. And I suddenly heard myself one day and I thought, well, would you like to be any more (laughs) narrow-minded? And so I thought, how how would I know if I've never tried? And all I've got to do is cut out dairy and eggs. Surely it can't be that big a deal. And so it was really, um, really, if I look back, the move to being vegan was to push my boundaries to not be so narrow-minded. I didn't drop honey. I do still have honey and some vegans find that offensive. 
that's that's how I am. And yeah, so again, it was a move to challenge myself as opposed to save the animals or the planet or anything else. Yeah, so it's a dietary choice, I guess, is what you're saying. Mm. And and to challenge challenge your own self or well-being, yeah. Mm. So it's interesting, you know, you often see on menus and hear about people talking about vegan and then talk, hear about people that are saying they're plant-based. Is what's the I mean, is there plant-based and is there vegan? Are they different or and if they are, what's the difference? Or is it just the terminology? Well, you might we might actually need to ask <laughs> hardcore vegan these questions. I don't think there's any difference. I think a lot of people call themselves plant-based because they want to dissociate themselves from the group of people who have made the vegan term associated with activism behaviour. It's interesting you say that because that was going to be my question. I mean, I know people that that are practising vegans in terms of what they eat, but they don't call themselves vegan because there's this sort of people that are branded activists, regardless of whether it's good or bad, just because of the events that have happened that the media portray as vegan activists is the brand that, you know, these people are doing different things without going into what they do. And and I guess people that are vegan and doing it for a lifestyle and health choice don't want to be put in that same basket, I guess, and that's why they're saying plant-based. Is that something that you'd yeah, identify with? Yeah, that's sort of how I see it as well. You know, from my personal standpoint, I don't believe in meeting wrong. Like if I perceive someone's behaviour as being wrong, there's no point pushing hard against it with um, aggression or with trespassing or with any kind of violent or behaviour that inconveniences someone else. You know, if, if we want to make a change, we have to be peaceful about it and we have to make a change for the benefit that it will bring as opposed to pushing hard against something we don't want, um, which only brings sort of ill for both parties so just getting back to what, what you eat and, and how to be creative, I mean, I think some people go, well, I couldn't be plant-based, I can't eat lettuce all day every day, I'm not mm. a rabbit. You know, you hear people <laughs> say when they get lots of salad on a plate, for instance, oh, my goodness, it's rabbit food. And I know for a fact what you cook is amazing and delicious. So can you give us a bit of a few hints and tips about what you do to, yeah, to following a plant-based diet and what, what are the sort of things that you'd cook and some maybe even hints and tips for people that are thinking of a plant-based start or already are a plant-based start. I mean, I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan. I have meat, but I have it very little these days. But that's not to say I'm, I'm saying I'm plant-based or I'm vegetarian or anything. I still eat meat, but I choose not to a lot of the time because I don't need it. And, and yeah, I think you feel better often with, like a lot of foods, the less is better. And so I guess, yeah, so for people who um, are looking for some hints and tips of, of what they could do and how to have more than just a salad. How to do more than just steam your vegetables. So it all gets a bit bland if you just do that. So we really, in the, the move to vegan was, had some learning in it, but the move from meat eating, predominantly meat eating. So I'd have to say that our weight problem or our overweightedness was the result of eating way too much meat and cheese and not enough vegetables and not enough fibre. So the move 
from that lifestyle into a vegetarian lifestyle was quite challenging and I really had to learn how to cook all over again. So what I worked out pretty early on is that I used to open the fridge and say, oh, well, I've got chicken in here or I've got chicken in the freezer or whatever, whatever meat it was, often beef. And um, then I'd work out what went with beef or chicken or whatever it was. And, you know, that was how I started my cooking process. And so then I had to learn, I thought, well, okay, that's not necessarily a bad process, just switch it around a little bit. So then I started opening the fridge and saying, okay, well, I've got a lot of sweet potato. What can I do with sweet potato? What goes with sweet potato? And then uh, I did find the learning how to flavour things, again, was a bit tricky. But I found some really great books and one of them is the book I discussed with Veet and now I just can't remember. It's a spices book. Anyway, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, And so I could look up that book then and I began to learn about spices and how to flavour things with spices. And this particular book has, uh, you know, if you turn to say coriander and it'll tell you how to choose good coriander, what coriander goes well with and how to prepare it a little bit in in the kitchen and so on. So then I started experimenting and adding more flavours and whatnot. So that was part of the learning, a couple of key resources books, which is that Spices one. Stephanie Alexander's Dictionary Type Cookbook, which we'll also give the accurate title to in the show notes. Which is a great book. It's a great go-to book for everything because it does the same sort of thing, doesn't it? It yeah. has about the product and then what you can cook. Yeah, what goes with what. So if you have a lot of zucchinis, you look up zucchini and go, oh, it goes with whatever spices and, and um, flavours. Yeah, so that was the process. And then I had to learn to add more green, more lettuce, more spinach, more chard or whatever the greens were without turning out like a rabbit. And um, there was loads of experimentation with that. We did go down the green smoothie path for a while and I still enjoy a green smoothie, but when we're not massive green smoothie people, but they're, they're fantastic. And I only ever make a really basic one, just spinach or greens, whatever you've got. Orange and banana. I always put some citrus in my green smoothies. And mango if I've got some. That's my favourite. Just really plain, simple, a little bit of honey. And do you put anything else as a base like almond milk or or um, coconut milk or anything like that? No. Um, we've got into a little bit of a almond milk habit just at the very present moment, but largely over all these years I've tried to avoid it because I'm unwilling to make it for myself. And so the habit we're into at the moment is going and buying the Nutty Bruce, which is a nice product. However, um, I do sort of still believe that we should only be eating what we can make ourselves. And the that's an actually you've brought up something. Well, this has brought up something. When um, when we were vegetarian, and I was really still exploring and reading books and being creative, I noticed the raw food trend. I mean, it was, you couldn't ignore it really. And there was a um, a person that I had, a local, a Brisbane person who had a raw food cafe and and was a yoga teacher. And I thought, well, you couldn't get much healthier than that, could you? And then I discovered that she had health issues, particularly bowel issues. And um, I was I just couldn't work it out. Anyway, and eventually I observed just the humongous quantity of nuts in her diet 
And um, that was a really good early on lesson for me because we need to only – well, my philosophy is we, you need to only eat as many nuts as you can shell at one sitting. So because that's how it would have been a long time ago. So some people that might be a lot of nuts though if they're really persistent. <laughs> yeah, but most of us aren't that persistent. <laughs> I mean, I've also heard you should eat only as much as you can put in the cup of your hand. Yeah, which is pretty much by the time you've shelled that many nuts that you could fit in the cup of your hand, you're a bit bored and you're ready to go and do something <laughs> else. <laughs> Um, so we largely avoided the trend with the raw food cakes that are all based on usually pureed nuts and so on. So that kept us in the rabbit food line <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of leafy greens dished up all sorts of different ways. Another creative thing that I haven't done for a little while but I used to do a lot was get kale leaves, flat leaf kale. Um, I really liked the Russian kale, that's the purpley one. And slice it up really finely and then put a really nice salad dressing over it and something chunky in it to make it a bit like a pasta sauce. So the kale leaves were the noodles. And if you massage them a little bit with some oily dressing, they go quite soft. And uh, that's a really nice meal. So when you say something chunky, what sort of things? You know, you could do similar sort of thing, pasta recipes and make strips of with zucchini and things like that, which is always good as well. Mm. But, you know, do you chop up tomatoes and... Or when you say chunky, is it more like a sweet potato type thing that you put with the kale? Yeah, right. Well, roasted um, little cubes of sweet potato are always delicious. Mm. Um, it would all depend, you know. Maybe half a handful of some cracked macadamias um, with a really nice dressing, um, or even chunks of orange. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds delicious. But I guess it's a, it's also about experimenting and what flavours that you prefer as well and, and what mm. works well. I mean, it's like any cooking. I don't usually follow any recipes and you just throw something in and, and if it works, then you wonder what you did do and see if you can replicate it again. But it's the flavours that work well together and, and I guess you get the knack of it after a while. It's just changing your thinking when you're using totally plant-based ingredients rather than meat as well but I mean when you look at a lot of food there's there is a lot of plant-based and it doesn't mean that everybody has to go totally plant-based but there are some great recipes to um to do Mm. in terms of that so do you think that you now have a different or a better appreciation of food given that you've gone through this journey from meat and three veg through to being vegan and then plant-based sorry through to being vegetarian then plant-based how do you feel sort of about food and has it changed your outlook on, on what you do in terms of oh, thinking about food? Oh, it's changed everything. So we just used to shop at the major supermarkets, just sort of I guess like the majority of people. Um, we got all our meat separately to that and we were quite fussy about the quality of meat because we had access to really high quality meat. That didn't transfer through to being fussy about vegetables or anything else really. As we journeyed through all of that, um, when we became vegetarian, it wasn't long after that, we started seeking out organic produce and then the farmer's markets, we discovered the farmer's markets as if for the first time ever and, um, well, it was the first time for us really (laughs) and so that then brings in a massive seasonality to 
your food lifestyle because you can only get what's in season unless you're buying from stalls that source directly from the major vegetable wholesalers or people yeah. that buy yeah 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 and then you're only accessing the same thing that Woolworths and Coles have anyway or the seconds from them um so yeah so our diet became seasonal then we started talking to the stallholders and discovering you know where they were growing it and what they were doing as they were growing it and why they liked growing that variety instead of that variety and so on and so yeah the learning just became exponential And I think it's a great way to then understand where your food comes from. It really astounds me how many people who don't know how things are grown, not necessarily how they're grown, I I should clarify that, I guess how it's grown in terms of whether it's from a bush or a vine or a tree and and how it's grown. I remember being in the middle of Morocco of all places and walking along this deserted valley I mean it's as bare as bare and the only green is in the little valleys near near the streams and that's where they grow their fruit and vegetables I mean they live off the land that's they don't have a Woolies or Coles or Aldi or whatever up the road so and it was really interesting the people I was walking through there with us going oh look at the whatever and oh wow they grow this and they actually said wow you know so much about agriculture and how things and I thought here are people that didn't know a peach grew on a tree and that that was a peach, you know, and or that was the peach tree that actually had peaches. And it really opened my eyes to how much people don't know about where food comes from. And I think that's a good point you make about the farmer's markets. If you talk to the farmers about it and you learn not only about the farmers and how the food's grown and where it comes from, but how it's grown and what it is and how good it's good for you, at that, that particular product mm. is as well. And you start to notice flavours. And so... I already knew a large variety of plants because mum had a veggie patch and when you grow up in the bush and you're looking at pastures and weeds and so on, you begin to learn to identify plants. But I'd forgotten how good food can taste and so then when I went back to the farmer's markets, I can remember buying snow peas and that brought back all the memories of being in the veggie patch with mum and the snow peas never, ever, ever made it onto the um, dinner plate never they were always eaten in the veggie patch straight off the plant washed with dam water <laughs> um so and carrots carrot we always had on our dinner plate bought carrots because they never made it out of the veggie patch they just get <laughs> eaten lots of, lots of people have memories of you know particularly their grandparents or or their parents I know I have memories of my grandparents you know going into you know grandfather's vegetable garden and you know the excitement of pulling up carrots and, you know, giving it a quick wash to take the soil off and, and eating it from the garden. I mean, nothing tastes better. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's interesting. It, we sort of went away from all of that, but I think we're making a turn for the better in terms mm-hmm. of lots of people are now coming back to, mm-hmm. one, think about where their food comes from, but two, also wanting to grow some of their own. And, and it's not possible for everybody, but there's a lot of people even in, who live in units that are growing, you know, have vegetables all growing on their balcony. So it is possible if, if you've got the will, it's possible. I think mm-hmm. like anything, if you've got the will, you'll make it happen. I'm a pretty hopeless vegetable gardener, but I love growing herbs because essentially they're all weeds. They're really, really hardy. <laughs> they survive. And it's quite interesting when you talk about weeds, there's so many things that are edible. I, I know I, I had my eyes opened 
not so long ago when I was talking to some some people from who who originated from other countries and we were just talking about different plants and they're going oh yes you can eat that and I thought well I've got that in my garden it's a weed but oh no you can eat the flowers you can eat the seed pods from it you can eat the leaves put it in a salad even mm. a little thing like native violet you know oh the violets are good you can put them in the salad the flowers and the leaves and and uh, yeah it's really interesting when you start exploring down that path things when you go for a walk even in a in an urban setting mm. you go for a walk and see what's growing on the footpath for instance mm. that you actually can eat so I think there's a lot to learn I mean you, you have to be very careful you don't just go and munch on everything because there's some some things that are poisonous out there as well but yeah it, it is quite interesting once you start exploring yeah down that path so just to to wrap up where the best place to to buy your produce from and avoiding food waste as well so some of the staples you know flour and things like that I imagine you would have as well as you're um, visiting the farmer's market so have you got some little hints and tips on how to do that without worrying about the packaging and the plastic that goes around some things and things like that I don't actually keep flour anymore, so I'm not too good on that area. But the farmers' markets—that's where nearly all of our food comes from. And um, my biggest tip is don't get too excited. We just love the farmers' markets, and we have a great tendency to buy more than we can eat. We actually now only one of us goes to the farmers' markets, and. Um, yeah, so enjoy the farmer's markets, but be careful how much you buy because it's so enjoyable. It's such an enjoyable way to shop, usually outside. More often than not, it's a sunny day and you get to know people really, really well and they grow really, really nice food. So just only buy what you can eat. So if you ha- actually have a bit more or even when you do buy it, how do you store it? What do you do to, to keep it fresh? Oh, well, that's the creation of our product, isn't it? So that that seriously, um, this isn't a sales pitch. That is how our product was created. I was bringing home all this beautiful produce. I was putting it in plastic. I was deliberately putting it in plastic and putting it in the fridge so that it would last for a week until the next farmer's market came along. We only have one once a week where we are. And suddenly I caught myself one day, you know, like sort of looking down over my own shoulder and I thought, why the hell am I putting this organic lettuce in a plastic bag? That doesn't make any sense. What kind of an idiot am I? So I took it out of the plastic bag, put it in the fridge and got it out two days later and thought, I don't want to eat that. It's all wilted. It tastes bitter and it's kind of soggy and I'm really unmotivated to eat that. And I put it in the compost bin where the, we, are, we had a worm farm at that time. And... um. My, I got really well-fed worms over the next few months <laughs> and I just thought this is ridiculous. This is costing me a fortune. This isn't working. I either go back to using plastic bags, which I really, 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 really didn't want to do. It just kind of twisted my guts up the thought of it. So that was the creation of our product. I couldn't find the product that I needed, so I made it. So now when you say you made it, so what is it and, and what do you do? <laughs> I mean, I know I'm a, part, I'm a business partner in this in store naturally as well, but we need to tell people the whole story rather than half of it, so what it's made of and what you do with it. Yeah, I'm not a very good sales pitch, am I? Well, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit loath to sales pitch as well, but uh, since I met you, we've, we've gone on a journey together in, in terms of, of store naturally and it, it is a great product. 
So we we make a hemp produce pouch and um, we went down the hemp path because we believe it to be more sustainable than cotton. It's a fibre crop that is enjoying a comeback, I guess. So that was that was the choice of the fabric. Then we wanted clean fabric. Like wh- what's the point in putting your organic lettuce, if you can get it, you know, or any produce really, in fabric that's been heavily treated with chemicals? So we spent a long time researching that to find a clean fabric. And we ended up having the fabric made for us, for the product, um, so that when you when you use our fresh produce enhancer, you're putting the cleanest produce you can afford and buy and access into the cleanest produce pouch. And then you just wash it and use it for years and years and years and years. <laughs> and, yeah, and you're not putting it in plastic, which is infusing all sorts of nasty chemicals into your food again. And when, as you said, when you buy organic or, or even if it's grown with organic principles, um, fresh produce, why put it in something that's going backwards? So wonderful. Well, thanks, Helen. And um, yeah, it's it's been great just having a chat, the two of us today. So thank you very much. And yeah, we will give people some more hints and tips on um, on other things involved with different eating, creative eating and healthy habits and things along the way as well. So, mm. And we'll put the accurate titles to the books I mentioned in the show notes and any other useful tips that I go home and realise I do automatically and don't even remember anymore. <laughs> Thanks very much, Helen. Thanks, Wendy.